Hi everyone and welcome to the From the Hack podcast for week 23 of the 2018-2019 curling season. This week we welcome the 2019 Canadian Junior Champion Skips, Selena Sturme and Tyler Tardy, and we recap the Canadian Juniors with Kathy Goche, who was on TSN's broadcast crew with Brian Mudrick at the event. We'll also catch you up on both the men's and women's provincial playdowns results, including an interview with Tracy Fleury, who is fresh off leading her new team to victory at the Manitoba Scotties. All that and more this week, but first, Canadian musician and non-curler extraordinary Jimmy Reed plays us into the podcast. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., Well, the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from easy and textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable Full Houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Arnold Ashton's passion for curling, along with his natural propensity to explore new ways to better the game, led him to a whole new world of product design. As a result, all Ashton Curling Supplies products are designed with the curler in mind. Ashton's patented ultralight RDS technology makes it possible to change and customize their slider with any combination of sliding discs. With equal resistance on all sides, the circular design that guarantees a straight slide. These circles have also been designed larger and with stabilizing bars from the outer unit sole to produce the most stable straight sliding shoe the world has ever seen. Go to www.asham.com for Broom's apparel and revolutionary designed footwear. And if you're considering buying new curling shoes, you must consider the rotator sole. It's the sole of the future. From the Hacks recap of action from week 23 of the 2018-2019 curling season is powered by The Curling Zone, your premier source for curling results from around the world. Visit us at www.curlingzone.com. As mentioned in the intro, the big event this past weekend was the Canadian Juniors, where Tyler Tardy and Sterling Middleton of BC became the first players to win three consecutive Canadian Junior Championships. BC defeated Manitoba 7-5 in the final, and Team Tardy will now look to defend their World Championship on home soil in Liverpool, Nova Scotia. Tyler Tardy joined from the hack to discuss his team's victory at the Canadian Juniors in Prince Albert and to look ahead to the World Juniors. Tyler, this year's Canadian Junior Finals seemed to be played in three acts. The first part where you took control and a 3-0 lead. The middle part where you fell behind Manitoba 5-3. And the final three ends when you scored a deuce and then stole in the ninth and 10th ends to win the game. It certainly looked like a roller coaster while watching it. Did it feel that way on the ice? Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a big game and, um, you know, all those games are always a roller coaster. It doesn't matter if it's a close game or not. You always feel like... Both teams have a chance just because you you want it so bad and yeah it was a roller coaster for sure. I realize this question might be easier for you to answer in a few years, but has it really sunk in yet that with yesterday's win you became the first skip to win three consecutive Canadian Junior titles? Yeah, it's it's a pretty big feeling, but at the same time, um, you know I, I know there's a lot of work needed to be done to catch some of the teams that have 
won twice in the past and uh it's just an eye opener that we're doing all the right things and we're trending towards something big in the future but uh yeah it's 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 a great feeling but i i still like to think we still got to work for the chance to catch up with some of those great teams you seem a little more emotional than usual following the final. Was it because your aunt was doing the interview just a few moments after you had defeated her son and your cousin in the Canadian Junior Final, or did this victory mean a little more to you for some reason? No, you you'll you'll nailed it right on the head. Um, to be honest, it was just I'm I'm really close with my cousin, and to be honest, it was just really tough to see him like that. And uh, yeah, it was just a very bitter sweep. I realize that you have all the respect in the world for JT Ryan and his Manitoba team, but did the fact that they were the only team to defeat you in the round robin turn into a good thing in the final because there was little chance that anyone on your team might take them lightly after you would have, say, perhaps gone undefeated in the round robin had you not lost to them uh, earlier in the week? Yeah, I think so. I don't really like to personally go into finals completely undefeated. You know, it's it's nice knowing that you can beat everyone, but at the same time, to me, it means you're due to lose. And, um, you know, I, I like kind of having a loss to just kind of have a wake-up call sometimes. And, uh, you know, I, I genuinely think that made a bit of a difference in the final for us. This was the first year you played without your brother who had aged out of juniors. As a result, you brought in Matt Hall to the team. How important was his addition to Team Tardy? And did he help your team stay motivated because he had never won a Canadian juniors of his own? Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, even, even though we've won twice in the past, it, you never don't really want to win very bad. And, uh, yeah, we, we always want to go back to the show and, um, having Matt on the team, he, he's got a lot of experience back home and he's taught us a few things ourselves. And, uh, yeah, we kind of all feed off each other and all really want to get better just playing with each other. We're all very competitive and, uh, yeah, I think it's been a great fit this season. Now you get to go to Nova Scotia to defend your world championship. How pumped are you to put the Maple Leaf on, on your back one more time, this time in Canada? Yeah, it's unreal, especially that it's in Canada. We, uh, represented BC at the Canada Games a couple of years ago and uh, that was just an unreal feeling in itself and never mind representing your province I can't even imagine what representing your country is like in your own country. I'm just curious to know if you're going to be reaching out to players that have experienced representing Canada at a Worlds in Canada because it certainly is a different dynamic and there's always a risk of getting caught up in the moment with the fans all cheering for you and the expectations that come with being the home team. Yeah I think maybe a little bit. I feel like there might be a little more jitters feeling like countries uh watching us a little more maybe but um you know i think we, we've been doing a bit of the right things in the past and it's we uh kind of have a formula of our own that have that's worked in the past and uh we're just gonna stick to it and maybe tweak it a little bit and finally tyler uh, unbelievably you'll still be junior age next year are you going to attempt a four-peat if that's even a word or will your focus next season turn to the world curling tour and trying to win ctrs points looking ahead to the trials and pre-trials in 2021 yeah, to be honest, I haven't really put a heck of a lot of thought into it. Well, not nearly enough as I probably should yet, but uh, yeah, I, I really don't know if I'm going to do my last year, but I'd, I'd like to, but at the same time, I, I'd like to look ahead and aspire for the briar and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty indecisive right now, but I'm going to be looking around for options. 
In the women's event at the Canadian Junior, Selena Sturmey and her team from Alberta ran the table in Prince Albert, going undefeated in the round robin and then defeating Sarah Daniels and her team from BC 9-6 in the final. Team Sturmey will now head to the World Junior Championships in Liverpool to attempt and retain the title won last year by Caitlin Jones and her team from Nova Scotia, who happened to lose in the semifinal at this year's Canadian Junior. Selena Sturmey joined from the hack to discuss her team's big win in Prince Albert. Selena, it's been a little over 24 hours now since you won your first Canadian Junior Championship. How does it feel, and has it sunk in a little bit yet? Yeah, uh, the feeling definitely hasn't sunk quite in yet, but uh, I'm hoping it does soon. I'm just super excited to wear the maple leaf on my back and get the chance to represent Canada well at the uh, World Juniors. Your team controlled much of the final. You built a 5-1 to lead at the break, only to see BC come back to tie the game 6-6 to in the 8th end. What did you and the team talk about uh, in that huddle between the 8th and 9th ends to keep calm in a moment when it would have been easy for nerves to creep in? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us was just to remain calm and realize that we still had control of the game. Uh, we had nine, hammer going into the ninth end, so... Um, really all we had to do was either blank or score one or score two, and we still were in control of the game. So um, we were lucky to come out with the three right back at them. But, uh, yeah, we're just happy it was a close game. Your second Kate Goodhelpson had played and won a national junior final two years ago with Kristen Streifel. How important was it to have someone with that type of experience, both as you prepared for the final and during the game itself? Yeah, she brings a lot to our team. Um, she was able to kind of calm us down in uh, a high-stakes game and, just uh, reassure us that uh, the cameras are just cameras and to focus on what we can control in the game. And she's actually here with me. I have you on speakerphone, so she might be able to comment on that. (laughs) Honestly, there's not too much I could have brought to these girls because they're so experienced in their own right and they're very good athletes. And so it takes a lot to save them. Um, the only thing I could have, like, helped out is just, like, like we were on mic for TV, but, like, our coach had us mic during the season before, so she could listen in, so that wasn't anything different. And then, of course, like, we had the advantage of having some of the games streamed earlier in the week, and so the cameras weren't even that different. So, honestly, it was just trying to help keep them calm, but it was nothing new that had been thrown at them. I want to talk about your journey a little bit. Your team struggled at Provincials. You had to win a tiebreaker just to make the playoffs, and you had to steal two in both the ninth and 10th ends of the Provincial Final to win by one. At the end of the round robin at Provincials, if someone would have told you that your team would soon be Canadian Junior Champions, would you have believed them? Going into Junior Nationals, we thought that we had a good chance of holding up our own to good competition. Um... Obviously, our end goal of this week was to make it into the final, which did happen. Um, And we're just super happy to basically come out being the Canadian junior champ. So, yeah, we definitely did have some struggles at provincials. But uh, I think that kind of just helped us uh, overcome adversity when we were faced with it at nationals here, just because we have been in those uh, predicaments before. So I think uh, all in all, it actually helped us grow as a team. What was the difference for your team between provincials and nationals where you went undefeated? Uh, did you simply have a better read on the ice in Prince Albert than you had at provincials? Yeah, we actually had really great ice conditions at our provincials in Alberta, so uh, <laughs> nothing really to blame on that. But uh, all the teams in Alberta are really strong, and uh, it, they just keep growing better and better as the years go on. So I think uh, there definitely was a little bit of pressure put on ourselves to come out uh, of Alberta to make it to junior nationals. So I think... Uh, Once we got here, we were a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more calm, and kind of could build on the success and the adversity that we were faced in all uh, our provincials with, and that kind of helped us. So now, Selena, you'll get to wear the Maple Leaf twice in a little bit over a month at both the World Juniors in Liverpool and then the Winter University in Russia. How exciting is that? 
Yeah, I'm super excited to have that opportunity of a lifetime. Um, it's definitely going to make for a busy month and a half, but uh, I'm ready to get on the ice and hopefully represent Canada proud at two competitions. We're actually not going to fly home between, so right from Nova Scotia, we're going to be flying to Russia, so it's going to be a, a long couple weeks, about a month and a bit, but uh, hopefully we can adjust to the time changes and do our best. <laughs> And finally, Selena, another thing that you accomplish on the weekend is that you now have one Canadian Junior Championship, which is one more than your brother Carson. So does that give you uh, family bragging rights now? I mean, uh, maybe I'll rub it in a little bit, but uh, he's a really good curler as well. So um, I think he's super excited for me as well. And uh, I'm just happy to uh, share one Maple Leaf with him and super excited to go to Russia and be able to compete there. Uh, but also be able to watch him as a spectator and cheer him on from the stands in Russia as well. It was also a very busy week at the provincial level in Canada with several women's and men's provincial playdowns taking place. On the men's side in Nova Scotia, Stuart Thompson and his team from Dartmouth defeated three-time defending champions Jamie Murphy and his team in the final of the provincial tanker. Meanwhile in New Brunswick, Terry Odishaw's veteran team from Moncton defeated Team Grattan 7-4 in the final. In the women's provincial playdowns, Chelsea Carey and her team from Calgary won the A flight and then defeated Team Rock in both the 1 versus 2 game and the championship final to earn the right to represent Alberta at the 2019 Scotties in Sydney, Nova Scotia. Carey put an exclamation point on the championship by making a pistol triple takeout for 4 points in the 9th to secure an 8-3 victory. In Saskatchewan, third time was a charm for Robin Silvernagel as her team stole a single point in the 10th end of the final to defeat Sherry Anderson. It was a third provincial final in a row for Silvernagel, who had lost to Sherry Anderson in 2018 and Penny Barker in 2017. Meanwhile, in New Brunswick, Andrea Crawford, who had spent a few years working and curling out of Germany, made a triumphant return to Canadian curling by defeating Team Malais of Moncton 6-3 in the New Brunswick final. In Nova Scotia, it looked like Marianne Arsenal was on the verge of returning to the Scotties where her team finished third last year, only to have Jill Brothers and her team steal two points in the 10th end to earn the right to be the home team at this year's Scotties in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And in one of the most anticipated provincial playdowns of the season, the Manitoba Scotties came down to a battle of former teammates as Tracy Fleury and her team defeated Team Anderson 13-7 in one of the crazier provincial finals in recent history, which included Team Anderson taking a 5-1 lead after two ends, only to be outscored 12-2 the rest of the way. This matchup generated additional attention because Tracy Fleury happens to skip the team that Carrie Anderson played with last season before hooking up with Val Sweeting, Sharon Burchard, and Brianne Mayer for this cycle. Tracy Flory joined from the hack to discuss her team's big win at the Manitoba Scotties. Tracy, you've been around the sport of curling for a few years now and have played in several provincial championships. Typically when you get to the playoffs in those events, teams don't give up five-enders, and when they do give up a five-ender, they don't typically come back to outscore their opponents 12-2 to over the next seven ends. Have you ever been involved in the type of game that you played in the final in Manitoba, especially with so much on the line? Uh, yeah, so it was a pretty wild final for us. Uh, not an ideal start. Yeah, just um, a little bit of uh, poor execution on our part and a lot of great shots by Team Anderson. They put a ton of pressure on us and maybe a questionable strategy call or two, and it just kind of all really escalated. I remember just looking over at Sweden and being like, wow, this this really escalated. Um, like it kind of snuck up on us, and then at one point we were just kind of like committed to the draw game, and it just didn't work out for us but if that's going to happen you want it to be early in the game and uh, we knew that there was still a ton of game left and we uh, weren't ready to quit yet. 
What was the message between you and the rest of the team between the second and third end of the final against Team Anderson to get yourselves refocused after giving up that five-ender and falling behind 5-1 to one early in the Manitoba final? Yeah, we just wanted to make sure to keep our morale up. And um, we had been playing so well all week that, like, I really thought that we were going to come back and at least make it close. Um, I can't say that I thought we were going to come back and win it, but just from the way that we had been playing all week, I... I knew that we had to at least make it a close game, and um, we just talked between the end, and we just said, uh, well, just, we're just going to bounce back, just get two here, and then force the next end, and that's all we can do, just focus on making some shots. This was her first time at the Manitoba Scotties, and as it turned out, one loss is all you could afford last week in order to avoid a tiebreaker. Even at the Scotties, you have a little more breathing room than that. How would you describe the atmosphere and tension at the club in Gimli throughout the round robin? Yeah, and all the teams... They are so strong. It's a really great field. So if you're a little bit off your game, um, you're going to lose. And, yeah, it is scary that you know that once you get down to two losses, you're at risk of not making the playoffs because only four teams make it. Um, yeah, so we went into every game um, knowing that we had to play our best and we had we wanted to try to win them all. And, yeah, we had one loss uh, in an extra end to uh, – Darcy Robertson, who had a fantastic week uh, going undefeated in our pool. Um, so, yeah, it was just uh, a lot of great competition all week. Now, it worked out for you in the end, but I was wondering if you could provide your perspective as a player on the format used at the Manitoba Scotties this year, where the top four records, regardless of which pool, advance to the playoffs as opposed to the top two teams in each pool, as they've done in past years in Manitoba. It meant that even if you were mostly taking care of business in your pool, you still had to pay attention on what the teams in the other pool were doing. Yeah, there's quite a bit of controversy about that this year, actually. Um, I it seemed like most people were against the new format change. We didn't mind it. Of course, like it um, turned out that it was an advantage to us. But even like when the format came out, we talked about it as a team, how important the draws for Hammer were going to be under this new format. And we actually made a point to work it into our practice routines. And we did really well at our draws for Hammer. We finished first place and... Um, it made a difference for us. So I think there's some mixed reviews on um, the top four overall, but at the end of the day, we had the same record as Team Anderson and a better shootout, so um, that put us into the 1-2 game. Yeah, so I don't know. I think there's some good to it and maybe some, some bad. It's hard to make everyone happy, I think. And finally, Tracy, one of the subplots that received much attention both in the lead-up to the Manitoba Scotties, which was then amplified the way things played out at the Scotties this year, was the fact that your teammates ended up playing in the final against the skip who played with them in the last Olympic cycle, including reaching the Scotties final last season. Obviously, the team was happy to win provincials and make it to the Scotties, but inquiring minds want to know if the win meant just a little bit extra to them because it came against Kerry, who had moved on to skip her new team with Val Sweeting, Shannon Burchard, and Brianne Maillard. I'd say no. I mean, yeah, they were teammates previously, but the split, it was amicable. It was mutual. Um, I don't get the sense that there's any bad blood there. So I think it was just the same as playing any regular team in the final. Um, and just anytime you're in a final, you want to win it regardless of the opposition. So no, I don't think there was any added uh, motivation for the girls. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline Curling. For those who play with the ice pad, they know it's the best curling brush. 
whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist Team Schuster or women's Olympic gold medalist Sweden's Team Hasselberg and their countrymen Team Adine, or how about the top Canadian teams, Team Gushu, Kevin Cooey, Brad Jacobs, Team Carruthers, Kerry Anderson, and Chelsea Carey. The list is endless, and Hardline is not just curling brooms. They offer a full range of curling equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and see why the top teams in the world choose Hardline for their equipment needs. Before we move on to our final guest of the week, I wanted to remind you that From the Hack is part of the Curling Podcast Network, along with the Two Girls in the Game podcast and the Curling Legends podcast. If you haven't subscribed to those two podcasts yet, you should really check them out. Our final guest this week is three-time Scottish champion Kathy Goche, who is best known to many in our audience as a member of TSN's broadcast team during the season of champions. Kathy was alongside Brian Mudrick in the booth last week at the Canadian Juniors. Kathy joined from the hack to recap the Canadian Juniors. We also discussed the incredible crop of young curlers in Canada right now, and I also asked her about how difficult it was to broadcast a final that involved her son on one team and her nephew on another. Kathy, both the men's and women's finals at the Canadian Juniors were basically roller coaster rides, which tends to happen at this championship with players of that age each season in such an important event. Sarah Daniels of BC seemed out of sorts at the start of the women's final, being held to one with Hammer in the first and giving up steals in the third, fourth, and fifth ends to Alberta. This was Sarah's third Canadian Juniors final, so one would have expected her to be the calmer of the two skips to start the game, yet she seemed to struggle for much of the first half of the final. You were right there. Can you point to any reasons why Sarah seemed to struggle so much early on? I think that she really struggled with where to put the broom. And if you listen um, to the broadcast, which I know that she will go home and do, what she's going to hear on a regular basis is a player from the hack saying, can I have a little more, can I have a little less? And inevitably, they would hit and roll out the wrong way and she would yell down the ice it was a good throw you needed more ice which essentially was where she had the broom in the first place so what started to happen is with all those people moving the ice and as the game goes on you can hear her resisting a little bit more but she still gives the players the ice they want they're still missing the shots and so that also didn't put her in a good position and it also didn't give her the confidence that she needed to put the broom down and have some confidence that if I throw it there I know what the result will be. Now, Team Sturman got out to a 5-1 lead before BC came back to eventually tie the game 6-6 in the eighth end. How impressed were you with Selena Sturman and her team's ability to stay calm when it would have been easy to let the nerves creep in after BC came back to tie the game? Really good. I mean, my assessment of her is that she's really mentally tough, and she's going to need that going into the World Championships because you're playing people that sometimes play very unorthodox. Uh, you're going to get up, and with the five-rock rule, you're going to get down again, and you can lose your mind if you look at the scoreboard and think, oh, gosh, how did I let that slip away? So they were able to park it. I think one of my favorite moments is when the three RCMP walked within about six inches of uh, Selena and her team's standing at the sideboards with the trophy, with a piper. You you couldn't have missed it if you tried, and not one of them turned and looked at it. They were 100% focused on the task at hand. So that's a good sign uh, for a rookie. And i got to tell you, as somebody who's played in a number of Canadian Championship Finals, it doesn't matter how many you've played, your nerves are there, and you're shaking interiorly. So for her to handle it the way she did, I thought it was awesome. 
The men's final seemed to be played in three parts. BC took early control and then Manitoba stole a couple of ends in the middle of the game to take a 5-3 lead. And then BC scored points in the final three ends for a 7-5 win. For those that watched the game, I think the end that grabbed our attention was a ninth when Manitoba seemed okay with giving up the lead going into the 10th because it meant that they would have the hammer coming home. Now, I'm one of those guys that likes to be up coming home, and analytics show that one up coming home without wins over 50% of the time. Now, I realize that hindsight is always 20-20, but would JT, Ryan, and the boys from Manitoba have been better served to take the point and force Tyler and his team to score two points in the 10th in order to win? Well, I guess, you know, it really is a, a personal thing. And so for JT, uh, he was clearly on the same page as Tyler because he has a choice, Tyler does, to throw a guard on his shot stone on the last one, forcing JT to draw pretty much to the button for the single. But you heard Tyler very clearly say, I don't want to steal. He wanted Hammer badly. So that sends two messages to JT. Tyler's comfort is to have Hammer coming home. And for JT, he elected to play the thin double, knowing that if he makes it, he's going to roll out. And if he doesn't make it, he's going to roll out and give up that point because he too felt the same way as Tyler Tardy did, that I want to have control with that last rock. So it's where your comfort is. And and I know that a lot of people like to see them themselves up on the board and think no matter what you're going to have to score two to beat me but given Tyler's experience at Canadian play in Canadian finals I think that just having that little bit of control with Hammer feeling that he could at least score one is why JT played that and I would bet you dollars to donuts if that situation was again tomorrow he would do the same thing. You've been close to the junior game over the past few seasons, in part due to your son Jock playing with JT Ryan out of Manitoba at a few Canadian juniors. So tell me how impressive it is for Tyler Tardy to not only win provincials three years in a row, but to become the first skip to win three consecutive Canadian junior championships. It's uh, it's really astounding, actually, when you think of it. When you look at the history, he's done something that no one else has done. We looked at you know someone like John Morris, who's won twice, but he lost one of the, the finals that he was in. So Tyler stands alone. Getting out of BC and juniors is really not all that difficult. If you watch the final, uh, there's a huge gap in terms of competitiveness in the province. So you know you can say, okay, well he gets to the show. But it's what he does at the show. Even before he started to win, he made it to the playoffs at a really young age. And the kinds of people that have come through there, the Calverts, the Dunstones, that he's had to to compete against, uh, these guys are going to walk in the park. Tanner Horgan almost made it to the Briar last year. He could make it to the Briar this year. So what he's done is, is really, really impressive. And he is one of the most self-effacing, non-egotistical kids you'll ever ever want to meet. You've been to the last few Canadian juniors as a mom and this year you added TV analysts to the mix. How difficult was it especially in the final to watch your son and your nephew battle it out for Canadian juniors while having to remain neutral and provide commentary? Do you know what? It was um, a curse and a blessing. I can honestly say that I found that I handled the better the, the better part of the game emotionally way better as an analyst than a mom because when you're in a mom you're looking at one player mostly and the team and just wanting them to do really well. As an analyst, it was very much like when I coached my daughter. You have to stay, to sort of take a step back a little bit. As a coach, you're always ready to, to go in with all sorts of tips, and so you need to not be personally involved. And as an analyst, I was trying to really look at it from a 30,000-foot look at 
who's doing what and what are the trends and where are they going, what are they missing. So in many ways it made it easier. But where it got brutal is in the last two ends because the last two ends, in as much as if I were playing, it's when the adrenaline kicks in, when my stomach got into knots. Uh, and the hardest thing I think I have done in a very, very long time is seconds after my son lost his opportunity to represent this country uh, at the world was to go down onto the ice and interview my nephew, who obviously I love, about that win without being emotional and seeing my son shattered behind me. I just want to go back and touch on Team Sturmy again, who had to steal two points in the ninth and two more points in the tenth end of their provincial final just to get to nationals, and then they get to Prince Albert and they run the table. Did you see anything in that team early in the week that gave you a sense that they might play deep into the weekend? Um, yeah, I would say her play. She's a rock star and and really uh, underestimates or certainly publicly underestimates how good she is. There were lots of times that I was watching their games and she would be in trouble either because her team had maybe missed a few or the opponents had made a whole bunch. And we started to call it her magic eight rock because even if she didn't make a good one on her first one, over and over and over again, she would make brilliant shots with her final throw, whether it was for multiple points or often against three or four to keep her team in. So uh, she, she is, uh, she's something else, I'll tell you. The week seemed to be a grind for the reigning world and Canadian champs, Team Jones of Nova Scotia. Was it just one of those weeks for them, or did they miss the experience of Kristen Clark, who aged out of juniors after last season? I think it might just be one of those weeks because Lauren Lenantine, who replaced her, who was her fifth last year from PEI, she was on the all-star team. So it wasn't a lack of performance um, by her. But you, as it always is, it's not always the quality of the teammates that you have. It is the chemistry amongst them. And for sure, Kristen had been with Carly for a very long time. There was a certain chemistry amongst them. And they just did very much seem a little bit off. They struggled uh, with drugs. I'll wait a bunch of times, uh, even though, as they say, you know, Carly Burgess makes the all-star team, Lauren Lenantine makes the all-star team. So you've got a couple of players who are up there, which kept them up there. But Kate did have a little bit of struggle with draw weight, and that cost her in a few games. I've often heard curlers say that their second appearance in the Briars or Scotty's uh, playoffs is always easier than their first because they know what to expect. Is that even amplified in junior curling where experience on the weekend under the spotlight with only one game out on the ice is an advantage? I ask because it seemed like Saskatchewan never found their comfort zone in the men's semifinal versus Manitoba and they were the one team in the playoffs that really had no players with weekend experience at the Canadian juniors. I think, you know, maybe a little bit, but what other people may not know is that Saskatchewan tried to do them a favor by showing up with their Rough Rider air horns. And so not only was it that you're in a single sheet situation and you're coming off a loss and you're playing that same team again that you're coming off a loss and you know that team is more experienced than you. So Saskatchewan fans show up to really try to support them and they were very vocal, which was awesome, awesome, awesome. But it really does put even more pressure on you because you try that little bit harder to perform when all week you've just been throwing really naturally and what comes easy to you. So those things combined could have made a difference. But I'll tell you, that team, that uh, young quieter is really, really a good player. 
he is actually going um, as fifth with uh, Tyler and the boys out to um, Nova Scotia for the Worlds. And so I think it will be a fantastic experience for him. He will learn a lot from it. Uh, and he'll bring back things, as Jacques, who went with them last year, also brought back. By now, most Canadian curling fans know Caitlin Jones, Selena Sturmey, Laurie Saint-Georges, Tyler Tardy, JT Ryan, Tanner Horgan, etc. But did you see any curlers in Prince Albert that might still be under the radar, but could develop into special players in the coming years? Oh gosh, uh, probably a whole bunch of them. Um, the skip from the Saskatchewan, or sorry, the Alberta men's team, Desmond Young, I don't have the sheets in front of me. I'm not sure how old he is, but he made tons and tons of clutch shots, and it wasn't just, um, you know, a hot performance here and there. He ended a couple of games out of the playoff spot, but they look young, and last year I looked at the Clyder team from Saskatchewan and felt that that was going to be a team that was going to make a lot of noise this year, and they certainly did. I don't know whether he'll stay with his team, this young Desmond young guy, but he was really good, had a really good touch, um, made some really good decisions, some very mature decisions in terms of strategy. So I think that that's um, someone that you'd want to look out for for sure. Uh, the skip from Manitoba, Mackenzie Zacharias, also star skip and uh, really telling is that she won all-star skip and her third was 12th amongst um, 13 players as a third so that tells you that you had a struggle at third and so her degree of difficulty of shots would have been very very high and she is um, small town girl just just going about the game because she loves the game but I think that getting to a Canadian championship has lit in her something that will produce some really interesting results in the next year or so. And finally, Kathy, you've watched many of the current junior teams grow up. What do you believe they need to improve on to take that next step and be competitive on the women's or men's tours? They need to have patience. And I say that with all honesty because last night at the closing banquet, um, I shared a message with them because there's so much so many sad people in the room. You have two teams that are super happy. You have some that were out, you know, within the first couple of days, but you have so many in the middle that really, really feel they could have made a difference, and you have some miserable silver medalists for sure. And after I talked to them, because I never won anything in juniors. I tried really hard, but I never got to a Canadian's, but women served me really well. And so my message was, if it's in your last year and you have not achieved you have to decide that you're prepared to get beat up for a couple of years in order to learn from those that have gone before you, but to stay with it and be patient and don't expect results. And Tanner Horgan's mom came to talk to me after, and there was discussion amongst Jake and Tanner about quitting because they were so disappointed after several years of being in a final to not have finished in the top three, and it is overwhelming. I don't think people realize, you know, we look at men and women and what they put in, but the juniors are putting in as much, if not more time, plus they're going to school, they're trying to get part-time jobs, and school isn't just you show up like a job during the day as adults do. You go home and you have a list of projects, you have a list of tests to study for. It is such a grind. And then when you get to the show and have a disappointing result and you think, now I'm going to men and women's, there's no chance for me, so why continue? And so 
patience for those teams. Lori Saint-Georges is another one who didn't get the results that she wanted this weekend. And you just have to stay the course and say, okay, if I don't win my first year in women's, I'm not going to do anything other than what I've been doing, but be open to advice, work really hard, throw a ton of rocks. The results will come, but maybe not when I want them to. And that does it for the From the Hack podcast from week 23 of the 2018-2019 curling season. A big thank you to each of our guests and also to all of you for listening. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.